Hi everyone, this is Anna, and you're listening to my podcast on Heaven and Hell. Welcome everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So thankful that you are here today and that you're listening along with me. I can't wait to talk about the Bible with you. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you to everyone who shared the post about our giveaway. We have two wonderful winners and both of them responded in just a way that I know that the Lord had his hand in it. So Thank you to everyone who shared and to everyone who liked and commented that on that post, but also who shared the podcast because I know that we have some new listeners, and most importantly, I know that all of these tools and tips that I have to share about reading the Word of God, that they are getting out there, and that's what I want more than anything is for people to feel confident as they read the Bible in themselves that they can do it and they can be Bible readers. And so I'm just feeling super thankful today for a lot of reasons for uh, the podcast, but also because we just had some pretty crazy storms. Uh, We had a windstorm come through mid-Tennessee and that's why I couldn't get our last Sunday recap episode out. We were without power for a couple of days and without internet for a few more days than that. So I'm just super thankful. Um, I'm just super thankful to be able to be on here today and to be talking about the Bible with you guys. Okay, so let's talk about what the plan is for the podcast today. I can't believe it's finally here. We've been talking about tips and tools for studying the Bible, and I keep asking myself when are we going to finally like just really dig into some scripture and put all of these tips and tools to use and today is the day we're going to look at some scripture and I'm still I'm still going to help you with your bible study because that's who I am I want to teach you something and this is how I want to do it we're going to look at a little bit of the old testament and a little bit of the new and we're going to talk about how the old testament points to the New Testament. Oh my goodness, every time I say that, the old, a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, I think about the first CD that I owned, and this is going to show you how old I am, and also what a church kid I was, that the first CD I owned was um, Clint Brown. He had a gospel choir, and he had an album called It's Time to Dance, and it was my favorite, and we wore that CD out. We listened to it so many times. Um crazy praise. Anybody listening that would remember that? I don't know. I don't think a lot of people actually listen to Clint Brown, but he had another album where he, it was the a two disc special and he uh, sang some of his older songs and then he sang some new songs and he would always say, and he said, today we're, tonight we're going to do a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, but we're going to have a good time. And so that's what I wanted to say to you guys today. We're going to do a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and we're going to have a good time. So let's dig in. First, I want to talk a little bit about how the Bible is organized. So there are 66 books of the Bible, and they're all different genres. Um, You have poetry, prophecy, history, uh, we have letters, but they're 
66 of them, and they are divided into two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that word, testament, actually means um, like your last will and testament. It's like a covenant between two people, but it also means And that word testament comes from the Greek word that is understood as meaning like the, uh, someone's last will and testament, like a contract or even a covenant. And we, that's probably how we refer to it the most is that the Old Testament is God is the first covenant that God had with his people. And then the New Testament is about the new covenant that God had with his people, which occurred after his um, death and resurrection. But... Um, But it could also be understood as um, more of a meaning like, but it could also be understood more as like a dispensation. And a dispensation is this um, order or a government or an organization of a people that exists during a particular time. And that makes sense too in this case, right? Because you have um, God, the order, the Because you have how God interacted with his people in the Old Testament and um, how he operated through the law and all of these things. And then you have a new dispensation, a new order, if you will, of doing things that happened when Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and he gave instructions for his church. So you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it could be really easy to think that one testament or even breaking it down further than that that one part of the bible is more important than the other like you might think that the letters or the gospels are the most important part like you might think that the gospels are the most important part because that's when jesus was here and you know we have the words of jesus in red in most of our bibles and if we're not careful we'll convince ourselves that one part is more important than the other but What's beautiful about the Bible is that it all works together and that the Old Testament, it points to the New Testament and that Jesus, when he came, what we read about him doing in the Gospels was so important because he was fulfilling all of these promises that he had made and all of these prophecies that he had given to his people in the Old Testament. And then you have the letters in the New Testament, which tell us how to live in a way that reflects what Jesus did in the Gospels. And I'll be honest, there are parts that of the Bible that I like more than others. I think we could all say that. I actually had a conversation with one of my friends. I think it's been a couple of years ago, and I was telling her about, you know, all my favorite books of the Bible. I was like, I love Genesis and First and Second Samuel, and of course the Psalms, and then Ruth and Esther are some of my favorites. And then I realized that all of my favorite books are in the Old Testament. And if I'm just going to sit down and read the Bible, I'm probably going to go to the Old Testament. And it's because the New Testament is really convicting to me, and it's really hard to digest some of those parts. And when I read the New Testament, I see all of these things that I need to work on, and none of us 
It's like reading a self-help book, right? You, you have to be willing to put in the work. I believe that. And so what I have done is I have created a source of accountability for myself to make sure that I'm reading the New Testament as well, because I know that I need the entire Bible. I need the whole picture. When I meet with my home Bible study here weekly, we always do books from the New Testament. And I don't know if they know that, but they are my accountability for reading the New Testament because it's life-changing and it helps me in my walk with the Lord, my personal walk with the Lord. So that's how I stay accountable is that I'm studying the New Testament with friends. But the New Testament's not more important than the Old Testament either, you know? Uh, there are definitely people who think that you don't even have to read the Old Testament at all. And the Old Testament, it points us to Jesus. All scripture points us to Jesus. And so we need all of it. So today we're going to do a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. I had to say it again. And we're going to look at some of the prophecies in the Old Testament that point us to Jesus. And I want to share this with you, um, some research that I did. I think it's just really interesting that there are prophecies in the Old Testament that point to all kinds of different areas. Um, when it comes to Jesus. So there are scriptures in the Old Testament that point to his birth. There are scriptures that talk about his life and his ministry, you know, his healing powers, his miracle working powers. There are scriptures that point us to his death and to his resurrection. There are scriptures in the Old Testament that point to the work of the Holy Spirit. And there are actually more than 324 prophecies in the Old Testament that just point to Jesus in general. And there are 48 prophecies specifically that are considered the Messianic prophecies. That means that they are prophecies that point to the Messiah, that speak specifically to how Jesus was the Savior who was coming to be that final sacrifice for sin and I want to tell you about this study that was done, and then we're going to dig in to some of these actual prophecies. But there was a study that was done by a professor at Westmont University, I think it was, and he looked at, he was way smarter than me, <laughs> but he looked at the probability of how, of one person fulfilling just 48 of these prophecies. And the and the results were that if for one person to fulfill the 48 messianic prophecies, it's a one in 10 with 157 zeros following it. Like, I don't even know what that name, what the name of that number is, but 10 to the 157th power. Um, that many, one in that. That's the chance of one person being able to fulfill just 48 of those prophecies. And there are th over 324 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled during his um, life and by his death and resurrection, that just that we know of in the Gospels. And Jesus himself states in Matthew 5 and 17 that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And he does it. He gives us, he does it time and time again. I actually love the book of Matthew for this reason because Matthew gives all of these formula quotations and it's where Matthew will say or where Matthew writes about Jesus saying that you have heard this and he'll state like an Old Testament 
scripture. And he says, but I tell you this. And he gives so many examples of how Jesus fulfills all of these Old Testament scriptures. And um, we, so we could do a podcast just about the scriptures in Matthew that he shares with us that Jesus fulfilled. But what I want to do is I want to look at three scriptures from the book of Genesis that Jesus fulfilled. And that's kind of what I, where I want to start. And then I'm hoping to come back in some other podcast and skip around and look through the rest of the Old Testament at a few um, other scriptures that Jesus fulfilled. But I already told you that the book of Genesis is like my one of my favorites. So I want to start there. And we're going to look at three scriptures and three very different ways that Jesus fulfilled prophecy there. So let's go. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter three, and that's where we're going to start. I also want to say that I think it's great to start in the book of Genesis because the book of Genesis, there's a reason it comes first, right? It really sets the stage for everything else that happens in scripture. Nothing we read in the rest of scripture would make sense without the information we get from Genesis. So that's another reason to start there besides it being my favorite. I'm going to read first from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This comes right after the fall, which is where we find Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They've eaten from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin has entered in, and God is addressing them here. And he says in chapter 3, verse 15, I'm reading from the New King James Version, and I will put enmity which is like hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the very first time in scripture that we see God's plan for reconciling what was lost in the garden of Eden. It lets us know that from the very beginning, there was a plan for salvation, that there would be a son born to a woman who would bruise the bruise the head of the enemy and that's what it, that's exactly what Jesus did through his work on the cross is he bruised the head of the enemy he made a way for us to escape sin and death he was that final sacrifice i love what first john tells us because it uses this same language to confirm that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy and first john 3:8 tells us that this was fulfilled. First John 3, 8 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. How cool is that? He did it. He did what he said he would do. Now, throughout the rest of Genesis, we will hear some other very specific prophecies that point to Jesus. But we also see something called a type, which is where something happens in the Old Testament and God never says, or a prophet never says, this will happen, this is an example, or this is just a preview of what Jesus will do. But looking back, we can see that God was working behind the scenes to give us examples um, to po that pointed to what he was gonna do when he came. So, leaving the Garden of Eden, the book of Genesis, we read the history of the Hebrew people or um, the Israelites, the Jews, God's chosen people. And I want to read to you 
Another prophecy that we find in Genesis chapter 28, verse 14. In Genesis 28, 14, the Lord speaks to Jacob and he's telling him about his plan for Jacob's family. And uh, Jacob is, his name was changed to Israel. He's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so in 28, 14 of Genesis, it says, Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so what he's giving us a hint of here is that not only would there be a son born from the line of Adam and Eve, who are the mother and father, you could say, of all mankind, but he specifically is going to choose the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that out of their lineage will come um, a son who will bless the whole world. The whole world will be blessed by his seed. That's what he says to Jacob. And so in the New Testament, if you read, there's two places in the Gospels where it gives us the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke. In Matthew, the genealogy is traced from Abraham all the way to Jesus because Matthew wanted to show his readers Jesus' kingship. He was writing to the Jews. He wanted it to make sense to the Jews that Jesus came from Jewish descent. He was of the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he was the king, king of Israel. And Luke, he traces Jesus' genealogy all the through Mary, but all the way back to Adam because Luke wanted to show his readers the humanity of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man, and that he came for all people. And so it is just so cool to me how God does this. In the book of way back in the book of Genesis, he gives a prophecy to Adam and Eve that through their seed there would be a son that would come to save us, right? And then he gives the same prophecy to Jacob that from his seed there would come a son that would bless all the nations of the world and that in the New Testament in two different books, two different genealogies, he fulfills both of those prophecies. All right, let's do one more before we wrap this up. So I just told you that um, Jesus would come from the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, one of his sons, Judah, there is a prophecy in Genesis 49. It's where Jacob is blessing all of his sons, and the blessing that he speaks over Judah tells us that the king will come from the line of Judah. And actually, it tells us a little more than that, too. So let's read Genesis 49, starting with verse 10, says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. So this is showing his kingship. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. I love this prophecy because not only 
does it point us to Jesus, but it is echoed in so many other scriptures in the Old Testament. The part that says that uh, the throne shall not, the scepter shall not pass from Judah is echoed again to David. Um, David, who comes from the line of Judah, that the throne shall not pass from the family of David. And then in 49, 11, it talks about the donkey. Jacob mentions that Judah's descendant uh, will be riding a donkey. And that fits a prophecy that's in the book of Zechariah that the king of Zion will come humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And we see that in his triumphant entry, what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, right? So we see this prophecy echoed many, many times in scripture. Okay, I just gave you a really quick run through of three prophecies from the book of Genesis that point us to the New Testament. And if you never read the Old Testament, you would miss out on all of those cool things. And guys, we're just getting started. So over the next couple of episodes leading up to Easter, I just feel like this is the perfect time to do it too. We're going to look at some prophecies in the Old Testament that point us to Jesus. I mean, did you know that it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? A little bitty town of Bethlehem. It was prophesied. And there's so many more. And I can't wait to talk about all of them with you guys. So join me next Thursday and we'll dig into some more of those. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. To wrap this thing up, I want you to repeat after me. Say, I am... A Bible reader. I can understand God's Word and I will be changed by what I learn. Hey guys, you're going to change so much more than just your own life. By understanding God's Word, you're going to change your family, your community, and this world. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you again soon.